All right, I'm really pleased today to have on the Bethel podcast a special guest all the way from Leamington, Ontario <laughs> to Kiev, Ukraine, back here now in Sarnia, our missionary, Ed Dixon. All right. Good to have you, Ed, on it's the Bethel be podcast. It's great to be here, Tim. Yeah, awesome. Um, going with Ed anywhere is an Ed venture. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So we first got connected. So I just want to have a little chance to talk with Ed here and get a little bit of your background, your story. But first, we got connected. uh, I think it was 2011 is when we kind of got connected. My Mm -hmm. mother had been to Ukraine in 2010 through Terry Burns, who was pastoring in Petroleum at the time. And I had been to Ukraine in 1995 with a youth team I led from Woodstock, Ontario. But from 95 to 2010, it was like off my radar. Didn't have any big plans. But my mother went 2010. She's like, you got to come back. Some amazing things are happening. And you got to meet Mr. Ukraine, Ed Dixon. (laughs) So we got connected with you. uh, Went on a trip. And then we've now done, I got to figure out the count. Because I got to sit down and think, go look at my calendar through the years and figure out how many trips our church is done in Ukraine, but it's certainly got to be 10, a dozen, I don't know, like something. More than 10, that's for sure. Okay, because a couple trips in the year sometimes, and youth teams, and other teams, and Pastor Trisha's gone, and Mm -hmm. so we've seen some amazing things. We've been able in just a few short years, although time goes by quick, in 2011, 12, 13, here we are coming into 2020, nine years, but we've uh, been able to help a lot of churches. Um, we've, um, you know, we bought land in Smila mm-hmm. and built a church building there. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's going strong. Yeah, oh, very strong. Yeah, maybe just talk to us a little bit about Smila, like what, what's going on there. Because I think we did that in 2013, we bought mm-hmm. the land. 2014, mm-hmm. we built the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, the joke was, uh, it can seat 200 Ukrainians and 100 Canadians or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that much, even Ukrainians, uh-huh. but uh-huh. yeah, you can get a, uh, 150 Ukrainians in there yeah. and 75 Canadians. Yeah. yeah, especially with the big balcony that has no railing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we basically built the shell, like got it all, and then yeah. turned it over to them to finish the yeah. cosmetics and yeah. the. Yeah, but. Well, the hilarious part was uh, there was a little house there. Right. And so technically, according to the government or city council in uh, Smila, uh, when he built it, he was just building on an addition to his home. Yeah. And that way he could get permission to build this right. huge auditorium. Yeah, yeah, I've told that too, that really we bought a house on a piece of property. Yeah. And we just put an addition on the house Very to big, seat yeah. 200 people. Very big living room. Yeah. <laughs> I remember actually in 20, uh, probably 2012, when we met Dennis and Pastor Dennis and Smila, and he was sharing us the vision, showing us the land, the house, mm-hmm. you know, we could buy this house and piece of land, but to build a building. And right in the center, it was a little bit strange because, like, there's this, the center of Smila, but right in the middle was kind of this. Is broken up with this sort of few pieces of property that was nothing on it. But anyway, um, so he took us around, and the woman that owned the house was there. Yeah. 
And I thought, my thought was, oh no, like she's going to see and think rich Canadians, Americans, and she's going to jack the price way up and mm -hmm. whatever, right? Try to capitalize yeah. on. Yeah. But actually, what she wasn't, she didn't think this dentist was, Pastor Dennis was serious. Right. And really wasn't giving him any credibility. Right. And when we arrived, she didn't raise the price, yeah. but then she knew this could actually happen. Yeah. It was a God thing. She, I think she felt that, uh, you know, when she saw us, she felt, oh, these people actually could really come up with the money. Right, right. <laughs> and that was the, you know, that was really the clincher. And she yeah. decided that this was really going to be, you know, allow her to sell the home for the price she wanted right. to sell it for. Because I think, I think we paid, you might remember, but... Like twenty thousand for the land, like the house and the land. Yeah, I and think it was it twenty, was maybe thirty. Twenty-five. Twenty-five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was right yeah. there. Twenty, maybe thirty. <laughs> Twenty-five. And uh, yeah, so when I saw her, I thought, okay, the price just doubled when she saw us as these Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it actually worked in our favor, and we yeah. had an opportunity to pray with her. And yeah, yeah. So that church is going strong. It's going very strong. Very yeah. strong. In yeah. fact, I would say, you know, of all the different churches. There, there are a few churches that we're working with that are extremely, I would call them, uh, you know, strong, like stable strong. Yeah. And uh, certainly Vadim's church is one of those. In and, Poltava, yeah, Pastor and, Vadim and Tanya who come here many times. Yeah, and Pastor Dennis's church. Right. Uh, I've just been really impressed with their, you know, sometimes you see certain churches that grow very quickly and, you know, but their churches have been very steady. Right. And uh, every time I go through Smila with my car, I stop by, sometimes unannounced, and there's always something going on at that church. Right. Always people in there doing something and, and having some meetings. When you said that, that when you go by Smila, I just remember the very first time I went to Smila, you'll remember I just got off the flight, right? <laughs> so I'm really jet lagged. And then we drive, after getting off the flight all the way to Kiev, we drive like three hours to yeah. Smila. Yeah. We go into Pastor Dennis's house. You know, it's a nice, yeah, home, <laughs> um, humble home, but nice home. And and uh, where their bedroom is actually is also like the dining room. So we have his family, a few other people, you, myself, and sitting around the table, and we're eating. And I've got like my pierogi on my fork, and I just fall right asleep. And what for like ten minutes or something? I'm just asleep, yeah, sitting yeah. there with my yeah. fork in my hand. Yeah. Well, we all we all kind of kept talking to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys were having a lot of fun at my expense. You're, I know you were mocking me. I, I've, I've forgiven you for that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it was actually pretty. I, I just, just yeah. like right in the middle of dinner, I just with my fork in my hand, I just fell right asleep. But yeah, yeah. So anyway, it was that was, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> but yeah, great couple. Now, this. Early this year, we sent funds because they did another church plant. So the mm -hmm. church in Smila, mm -hmm. which was a plant of, of right. the church in Creevy Road yeah. back some years ago. And then we, we helped them buy, get land, build a building. Now they're st strong. So they've planted uh, a church. Yep. And we've now bought another house and land. And I say we bought. We've sent the funds yep. through Loads of Love. Yeah. And have given so that church is purchased. Yeah. Now, the name of that community, it's different for me. I'm not sure how to say it. I think it's Spola, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And they uh, they started a small church about a year ago. Yeah. 
And that church quickly grew from from basically from zero. Yeah. Uh, started by a pastor out there to about fifty people attending regularly. Wow. And then they contacted me and said, you know, we've got this opportunity to purchase a house yeah. which could be used as a church. And and I know very well that uh, there's a almost like a uh, there's a little bit of a stigma if you're in a church over there and they don't have their own building. Right. Like let's say they're meeting in a theater or, right. or someone's house. or There's always this kind of feeling that it's not really... A real church. Yeah, or, or maybe it's or not going to last. Or, okay. You know, it's just kind of here and gone tomorrow. Right. And when they purchase their own building, right. it really sends a message to the whole community that this this is a genuine church that is here to stay. Right. And it causes even more growth right. within the within the community. So we've noticed that and, and that certainly happened in this case. And right. now the numbers are up pretty So much. I know this year we sent the funds, I think it was fifteen thousand dollars to uh, buy this house. Yeah. And the house is one thing and I I and respecting all you just said. But really, it's the land too. Yeah. I mean, you get the the land with the house. Exactly. Can you imagine like a house on on, on a nice piece of property? Yeah. Where we could someday build a church yeah. with a couple hundred people. That's right. Uh, for fifteen thousand yeah. dollars, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> you can't uh, buy a get a get a shed here in yeah. Sarnia for <laughs> maybe a shed, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um, I, when we got involved, I remember uh, you sending some photos of the, the house, and uh, but also five people from that community that were now part of that church that were being water baptized in the right. Smila church. Yeah. So f from Smila to Shoplov? Shpola. Shpola. What's the distance? It's like um, 30 minutes or something. Yeah, drive, something. Eh? Or 30 about minutes drive. that. Yeah. Driving, yeah. So we're just waiting from the call from Mr. Ukraine to say, okay, we got to build another building. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, like, I'm absolutely amazed at, uh, you know, again, not only how strong and stable Dennis's church is, but that, you know, he's already planting other churches. Right. And he's already, you know, sowing into people right. like this who are starting churches in other communities around there. Because I remember a few years ago he was planning a church in Kachowski? Yeah. Kachowski. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're church planting. Um, a lot of times I look at Ukraine in the Christian world almost like what we were in Canada 70, 80 right. years ago right. like when we first started. Because, like, yeah. I mean, I know it's, it's a little bit different. Ukraine is a unique thing because it's a old country but yet a new country it's like a yeah. new country and an old country yeah. like it's been around yeah. for a long time but exactly. yet with their independence exactly. so even in the church like men's conference women's conferences that we still have them but a little bit's had its day here in yeah. canada that's like still fresh there and, yeah. Yeah. and even just starting in some yeah. regards right yeah. so yeah. yeah so talk to us just a little bit about because the other thing that we were involved with in ukraine uh, for the last few years so this was just oh, so exciting how I mean, back a few years back, we were sending teams over of, uh, like, youth teams to work at this orphanage. Mm -hmm. So I just love, the first time we went, it was just amazing. Yeah. I mean, every time we went was amazing, yeah. but the first time, because it was so, <clears throat> 600 orphan kids, um, a lot of them preteens or teenagers even. Yeah. I remember thinking, because we were going over there, how is this going to work? I mean, I got my 15 Canadian teenagers 
and we're going to all of a sudden be in a field with 600 kids, and we're going to have to count them off, and, you know, and, like, but they were so, that that camp was so well organized, mm -hmm. they divided those 600 kids into three groups of 200. I know what they do it a little different now, but yeah. but back then, and then they, and then we'd have 200 kids for uh, two hours, but then they divide those 200 into four groups of 50, and then so 50 with a sport, 50 with a craft, 50 with a game, 50 with Bible for 30 minutes. Then they'd rotate, and then rotate again, rotate again, and then we'd have a break, and then another 200. Yeah. So yeah. we would do 12 30-minute sports or 30-minute Bible teachings all in one day, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, but to have those kids, and I remember that first year we got Bibles donated from the Ukraine Bible Society, hardcover um, yeah. devotional, like yeah. beautiful Bibles, not this small print that no one can read, like something they'll, they'll hold on to. I remember a year afterward or two years afterward, I met the orphanage in, in Kiev, just showed up unannounced with you, and I'm going up the stairs, and there's a couple kids carrying the Bibles that we'd yeah. given them two years before. I, I, was, I thought that was, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, through that connection, and then, of course, it keeps going. You have other teams and churches that come in. But a cell, we call it cell or small groups or kids clubs yeah. in Creevy Rogue began. Yeah. And uh, so we have a girl named Lena Turan that's running that. So yeah. give us a little update as to what's yeah, going on there. Lena's ministry is just expanding all the time. Yeah. Um, I find that, you know, I'm a lot of times I'm trying to just keep her focused on because she's really genuinely just wanting to spread God's love to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kids. I think, you know, you can't lose the fact that this initial place where we were working with these kids, you really have to realize that not long ago, that was a Soviet communist camp right. where they brought children to yeah. indoctrinate them right. into the communist mentality to be good young communists. Right. You know, and here we are now in the same camp uh, spreading the word of God's love and of Jesus Christ coming to earth to right. these kids. And I think all of us, you know, everybody that was involved was just amazed these kids are coming to Christ. Right. You know what's so crazy about that? I just interrupt real quick there is, so in my travels, okay, so in Ukraine, that camp on the Black Sea was a communist training camp, right? right. I mean, right. to indoctrinate young people yeah. in communism. And now... Like, we're going in with the gospel, right? right? Ilya Banstev in Siberia, their Teen Challenge Center was a, a communist youth thing right. that now they own, and it's yeah. a Teen Challenge Center for the right. proclamation of the gospel. Exactly. The uh, university, PAC University in Kenya, uh, in Nairobi, was a communist training center. Wow. It was built by the communists, wow. and now it's a Christian university, wow. right? Yeah. When I was in Buenos Aires, Argentina... The Bible school there, somebody's got Bible school, it was actually built by the Nazis. Wow. Way, way back. Seriously. Yeah. And now it's a, a somebody's a God Bible school. Wow. Praise <laughs> God. So what the devil means for evil, yeah, yeah, God yeah. turns for good, right? Yeah. yeah. And these things are built and we just take it over. Yeah. We take it over. But yeah. So tell us about so, Lena. And so the, really the idea, and you probably remember, you know, all these kids are coming to Christ and like good stewards of what we're doing for God's uh, work over there, we started to think, well, okay, how can we continue to follow up with these kids, yeah. continue to work with them? Sure, they've come to Christ and they've made decisions, but how do we uh, 
you know, keep in touch with them. And the whole the idea was, really. right, the whole idea was born, uh, why don't we have someone, and I said, hey, I've got a young lady, her name's Lena, she's already going into the orphanages and different places. If we were able to get her some funding that would allow her to hire, let's say, four or five other people to work with her, um, they could expand right into all these places where these kids are coming out of yeah. and follow up with them on a weekly basis, yeah. which, uh, you know, when I talked to Lena and, uh, you know, explained things to her of what we might be able to do, boy, she was just, uh, um, you know, like the greatest Christmas gift that you could ever imagine being given to a child. Right. That was her. She was ecstatic. And it's grown and grown, yeah. like the, the groups that she's working with, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of kids that are being uh, um, met with every week, every week yeah. on a weekly basis. And the directors of all these orphanages and schools, and, and uh, she's even in one like tuberculosis uh, place where the kids are recovering there, and uh, they're just like so, every time I meet with them, they're like, please Ed, can you ask Lena to expand so that she can reach more of our kids, you know, right. with her lessons and everything? So it is, uh, um, it is really amazing, the opportunity that we have right now to, to continue to reach these kids. And, and these kids really genuinely look at these groups as, that's like their church, you right. know, that's where they meet. And, and so uh, kids clubs weekly in Cravey Road. Yeah. Meaning hundreds of kids every yeah, week, yeah, right? And, and yeah. obviously in different size groups, yeah, but multiple yeah. clubs. Lena has volunteers that help her. Yes, and yeah. uh, she's got uh, uh, five ladies on staff, okay. like that are paid out of the funds that are given from your church. Like your church completely right. sponsors that entire ministry, right. and uh, you know hundreds of kids getting. Right. Getting a really great Bible. So there's no there. other groups that are sponsored. This is 100 percent. 100 percent. So just to also say that, like, I really appreciate my my friend, Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth. Uh huh. He gives an offering every month to Bethel Church. Okay. For this purpose. Oh as wow. Well. Yeah. Oh, praise God. So it's a Bethel offering. Like he gives to our church. Yeah. In, for the for this project. Wow. Praise God. And so it yeah so, yeah. but it, you know it's it's again amazing because we're sowing ten thousand dollars a year. For missions and brother ted is one that contributes to that and um you know think of that ten thousand for a whole year that's lena's salary that's the that's the Salaries salary for these other five ladies, five ladies. and the all materials their supplies all their yeah. materials all their transportation even you know when they Goodness. travel to these places everything yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be a little more money than that in canada yeah oh yeah <laughs> it's yeah. yeah. And so, and I'm sure as it's growing, some more funds are going to be needed. But, uh, but you know, yeah, we we could always we could always expand more. But yeah. I think right now I just feel like, uh, uh, you know, we're at a good place. Yeah, and and she's doing a great job, and she's yeah. she's uh, con continuously refining the you know better ways of doing things. Yeah. And uh, she's she's you know all the ladies that are involved with it, they really are uh, not just. Uh, doing a job they're they're really in this for you know right in their heart pouring out to these kids that's awesome yeah so something else that you're doing we're not supporting this part of it but uh it's christmas time yeah and every christmas you have a big thing that <laughs> happens in ukraine yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, tell us about that and how it came to be and, and where it's gone so, to. So I guess it was 18 years ago now, the very first uh, time when I got this idea. And the idea basically came out of me being in Ukraine. And many people know that Ukraine doesn't celebrate Christmas on January 20, or December 25th. Right. They celebrate on January 7th, which is the old Orthodox Christmas. Right. So it comes after New Year's. Yeah. And New Year's is the big holiday. So here I am. I was a young single guy in, in uh, Ukraine and, and Christmas time. Yeah. No family there, you know, yeah. and you're kind of like, it's December 25th and everybody's just doing what they do. And you're kind of like, this doesn't feel like Christmas at all. So I got this idea. Because December 25th is another day. Right. Yeah. I got this idea at that time. I thought, well... How should I celebrate Christmas? What could I do to make it more Christmassy? And, and really, God spoke to my heart. It was kind of like, well, what do you do if you're in Canada on Christmas? And I thought, well, I would go out for a meal with my family, right? And that's really the biggest part of it is the getting together with family for a meal. And, and, and all of a sudden, uh, well, who's your family? And I, I was like, well, the orphan kids are... And I realized, wow, I could take some kids out to dinner, like my right. family, right? right? And at that time, McDonald's was just starting up in Ukraine. And McDonald's in Ukraine is genuinely, especially at that time, it was the elite place right. to eat. Like ladies get, would get dressed up in evening gowns right. to go to McDonald's, which sounds really crazy. But I, I remember one time actually being with you and we went in and uh, like um, the bride and the groom were having their wedding reception right. at McDonald's. Right, right, right. She right. had the whole wedding yeah. gown on and they're right. having their reception right. at McDonald's. And the thing was, you know, the thing is for them, this was something completely new, like right. something that just was out of a storybook for Ukraine to have a restaurant like that. And I realized right away that these orphan kids, they would never get like to go there. Yeah. The orphanage wouldn't have a budget to take right. kids to McDonald's and so the very first year, um, I took uh, all together, you know, the first time we went to the actual restaurant, about 26 kids. So imagine 26, we just invade the McDonald's, and I buy 26 Happy Meals. These kids were shaken in their seats. They were, I just, so oh, they were, it was like really, really hard to describe. Like, they were just shaken in their seats. They were so excited about McDonald's, and you're thinking like, Hey guys, the food is not that great, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, they get their happy meal. They have their thing. You know, we're talking with them about why we celebrate Jesus's birthday after two thousand years. We still celebrate it. What is, what is it all about? And just really have a chance to talk to the kids while they're there. They eat their happy meal, and I realize we hit on something when they took their cups, the lids from the cups, the straw the wrappers from the burger, the little toy. They even folded up the paper placemat, put it in the box to take back to the orphanage with them because they were so overwhelmed that they actually got to go there. Wow. And this was, you know, this was genuinely to them, it was a gift from God yeah. that they'd been able to do. And uh, I, you know, from that point on, I started telling people, hey, $10, I can pay for the kids' ride yeah. to and from the orphanage yeah. to McDonald's. We can set up the whole Christmas program. Yeah. We can buy them a Happy Meal and everything involved. And we can give them a year's supply of vitamins for, right. for 10 bucks right. per kid. 
And people began to respond like wildfire. So how many this year or last year? This uh, year? Last year, we just over 3,000 kids altogether <laughs> that we took. Yeah. Three, just yeah. took a few thousand kids <laughs> yeah. to McDonald's, you know? Not all at once. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, and our staff gets so excited about it. I think the interesting thing is when we have the kids in the McDonald's, even the employees at McDonald's in Ukraine, they're just really excited about it because right. they know these kids would never get to go there anyway. So, the, like, for a kid like that, like, they're never going to forget that. Like, it's going to be a memory, right? Absolutely. And, the, and then the memory is connected to Jesus. Absolutely. So the message of the gospel won't be you, lost. Right. You can ask those kids when they're there, and, right. and I do sometimes, do you know why you're here? Right. And they'll be, they, they will, you know, most of them will say it's because of God. Yeah. Like, God, this is God's gift or... Or it's because the church is helping us. You know? Yeah. So I just want to take maybe just 10 more minutes here and uh, a little bit of your story. Uh-huh. Born in Leamington uh-huh. to a tomato farmer. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, my back, Mennonite Christian background. Yeah, my back still hurts when I think about that. <laughs> How many pota- uh, tomatoes did you pick? Oh, man. We had, like at one point, we had over 200 acres of wow. tomatoes on our farm. And... Uh, you know, that, of course, when I was young, we picked everything by hand and loaded by hand. Okay. That yeah, was a lot of work. Right. Yeah. So That's I was, when they didn't have cars back then. <laughs> Radio well, had just come out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Those were the days. Like Christian Mennonite background. Yeah, yeah. I was raised in the Mennonite. So Christian church. background, but you um, kind of got away from all of that. Yeah. Like you... Yeah. you we got yourself in yeah. a pretty messy situation. I don't know. Right like here. it's hard to it's hard when I think back on it now how you know I was I had this real zeal for life which fortunately God has given me and I, I've had all my life. But yeah. when I was young I just man I had such a zeal to have friends and to be popular, um, you know, all of that kind of thing. And and that got me into alcohol when I was eleven years old. Wow. And then by the time I was 12, we got into marijuana. Okay. Uh, by the time I was 13, we were already experimenting with like LSD and, and mescaline and different drugs. Right. Uh, I was obviously, you know, I could say I was involved with the wrong crowd, but I was part of it. You were the wrong yeah, crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I was the wrong crowd. And, and um, you know, again, I say it's hard when I think back on it, how I ended up in that thing. But for whatever reason... Uh, I felt many times in my life that God somehow was was saving me, like like rescuing me from time to time. I made decisions, uh, some bad and some good, but but because uh, a few times, if I uh, like your life was in jeopardy. I mean, oh yeah, you yeah. yeah. yeah like, I you, almost, you really became. I'm not. I yeah. mean, you've shared this. Like you were an alcoholic in yeah. your early twenties or yeah. something. Was that yeah. fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In my early twenties, and then. Throughout my 20s, I, I, you know, that my whole life through my 20s is really a blur now. I did get married, um, and that was a blur. I, everything was, and, you know, we had two kids, and and uh, had a real trauma happen when my wife left. Right. And then, you know, I basically lost my children because she got married about two weeks after the divorce came through, and right. so my kids little boy and little girl had a new dad and so I went through real trauma but I thank God for that now I, I can honestly say that like 
that trauma made me sit down and think like really good questions that I, for some reason, really never asked myself up to that point. And that questions like, why am I here? What is this life really all about? And, and, you know, genuine good questions that a lot of people, for some reason, like just don't really sometimes get right down to the heart of thinking about it. And, and that began my journey, I would call it, to finding out, you know, what, what life was really all about. Yeah. And I, I started to get this idea, like, if I could meet someone that was really cool, you know, really had it all together, really balanced in life and, and even in faith or whatever, and I could hang around with someone, maybe it would rub off on me after a while. And so I did end up meeting a guy, and he, he eventually invited me to church, and, yeah. and I attended the church there in Chatham for about, I guess about eight months. I was still kind of living my life during the week, and uh, but I kept going to church because I, I was. But you told me one time. I think the first time, maybe it was the first time, or one of the times you went to our PA Pentecostal Assembly's church in Chatham, mm-hmm. Evangel. I don't know if it was the first time, but you're sitting there. Yeah. And didn't somebody give but like a prophetic word was or that, something? I had been sitting there for eight months. Okay. At that point, so it wasn't the first. And time. And I, I was listening. I was, you know, I was Mennonite background, so some of the stuff was. You know, someone speaking out in tongues all of a sudden was a little bit weird to me, or, you know, what's that all about? And uh, I was sitting in church in a regular service, and all of a sudden, there, everybody seemed to sense that something was going on. Like, like you could even, it was so strong that uh, the pastor kind of started to hesitate speaking a little bit, like, what's going on? And then I felt just like immediately this sounds a little bit conceited but but i felt like god for some reason had come in a special sort of powerful uh presence like yeah. just a just a more solid uh fullness of his presence to the church that day and immediately i thought and he's come today just to talk to me right. <laughs> even though there were like 400 or whatever 500 sure. people in the church I just really felt and deep in my heart that God came and he wants to talk to me. And as soon as I got that thought, some lady started to scream out in tongues, you know, and, and I'm sitting there. And then another lady translated or interpreted right. Right. what was being said. And she just said, I love you, my child. And right. she said it three times. Right. And by the third time, I had my hand over my face. I was leaning down. I was cr- like tears were just flowing out of my eyes, um, and I think, for whatever reason, all my life I thought maybe there is a God, but He probably doesn't like me very much. Right. I really genuinely thought that. Right. I thought because if God knows everything about you, even the littlest details, right. how could He possibly really love us? Right. You know, knowing how evil we are, and and. That day, everything changed for me. I, I can pinpoint it right so to that So would day. you say, in some sense, that was your salvation day? Or? Absolutely, okay. yeah. I think, you know, I mean, we work out our salvation right. kind of gradually. Right. In a lot, I think right. certain people, they do have a moment. Right. And some people, it's more of a... Tra- like a, a journey of yeah. becoming. Yeah. And but, it's hard to pinpoint but those for me, moments. for me, that was the day. Like, that was yeah. the day that really... Yeah. Um, I can... If I look at my life... Yeah. Like, there's part A, yeah. 
and after that moment, there's part B. Like, right. It's absolutely different. Everything and changed. alcohol... Immediately, immediately gone. Immediately gone. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. The alcoholism and... So, big change. Yeah. Now, how did you get from there to being a missionary in Ukraine? If You, you know, it really, if you think about this, yeah. it really is like... like uh, from that moment when that happened, yeah. like within three years, yeah. I was a full-time missionary. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, like really, when I look back on it now, I think that's really crazy. Yeah. But it was the fall of that first year when I got saved. The fall of that first year, I was looking for something to do because I had time off from work. I didn't want to go just go somewhere and lay on a beach or something. And, and then my pastor said to me, there's a missionary coming to our church in a couple of weeks why don't you talk to her? Maybe she has something for you to do where she is, you know? And I'm like, where is she from? He said, Estonia. Mm. <laughs> I remember back in those days, we had those atlases. Right, oh, right. I went home and got, I had no idea. So you didn't Google it. I, yeah, no, there was no Google. Right. I opened up my atlas and found Estonia, and it's over by Russia. And I was just, uh, I was just so excited because I, I really knew in my heart this was something that God wants me to and I can say this now. I couldn't say it long ago, but now I know that that first mission trip I took yeah. to Estonia, I'm still on that trip. Okay. Like, I am still on, like, like it began something in me, right. just the whole idea of being sent out as a missionary. Okay. Like, that started, for me, something that has never ended. Right. Yeah, yeah, your ministry is more, like, we always, Ukraine, like, so my mother and always refers to as Mr. Ukraine, or I've said that, or, but you're in more places than just Ukraine now. You're, uh -huh. you're, you got ministry. We're just talking at lunch here, how you were in yeah. even Gaza doing yeah. some ministry in yeah. Jordan and, and, um, some of the stand countries you yeah. do ministry and loads of love. Yeah. yeah. So just the connection to Ukraine. And then you actually like there's your ministry is called loads of love and you have a thrift store in Chatham. Yeah. That's part of, raises support for yeah. uh yeah yeah for the just ministry. going gangbusters there that yeah. that whole side of the ministry because loads of love now has become even a like reaching out to the community in chatham as right. well right. so i love their slogan they've kind of taken on this slogan like sharing god's love in our own community right and around the right. world right? right so there's a real focus and there's some great people running this now in Chatham who run the board there and everything, and they're they're raising funds every month to right. send out to the mission field, right? Uh, through just through people giving donations. And right. So one thing you told me too is that uh, so the store uh, like obviously sends funds and and goods, shipping containers, but and it's through the sale of donated goods, right? Yeah. And people volunteer. But that also covers your overhead, like exactly. staff and, and salaries and some of those things. All the administration. Right. So yeah. when we give to a project in Ukraine or yeah. to Lena Turan or whatever, 100% yeah. of the offering goes for that purpose. Yeah. There's not like 20% or 30% right. comes off for administration right. or whatever, which obviously a lot of people need to do that. Mm -hmm. and, but but in your situation, it's... It's, uh, it's completely covered by the store. Yeah. And I don't... Like, I haven't checked around everywhere, but I don't know any other organizations that yeah, there wouldn't actually be too many. send 100% of right. their donations right. to where they need. Right. So we're, Of course, because you know, there is overhead costs. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty unique and pretty yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. 
So just, uh, you were in Estonia, and then how did it end up that you got to Ukraine? Sort of a long story. Okay. But, but I was on a train yeah. to uh, Russia. Okay. And I felt like God was calling me somehow deeper into Russia. I mean, I'm Mennonite, so my grandparents, I knew they came out of somewhere over there right, in the right, former right, Soviet right. Union. So I went to Russia. Coming back, um, I had this experience in Moscow. Like I was kind of like saying, Lord, you know, nothing happened here. Did you really want me to come here? And I really felt like, you know, God was saying, Ed, watch this, you know. And so I kind of wondered what the Holy Spirit was meaning by that. I got on the train back to Estonia. I get into the compartment on the train, yeah. open the door. There's a lady sitting there, right? And, okay. and there's four people in a compartment. So yeah. I said hello. And yeah. she, oh, she speaks a little bit of English, you know, and she's all happy and we're talking a little bit. I was telling her about some of the work that I was doing at that time in agriculture right. with Estonia. And God did a miracle opening up the door to do some consulting work there because I was in agriculture at the University of Guelph. And so anyway, <clears throat> this lady's talking to me. She said, you need to uh, be doing this in Russia, and you know, especially Ukraine. She said, that's the agricultural place. You need to be. And I said, well, I really don't have any contacts, and I don't know right. anybody here. I was just, that's why I got on this train to come to Moscow. She said, well, I can help you. And I said, wow. oh, I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she said, you don't know who I am, do you? <laughs> and have you ever had anybody ask you that? Like, yeah. you don't know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I was so weird. I thought, I mean, uh, I don't know. Am I supposed to know who right. you are? You know, right. she says, well, I'm one of the best-known journalists, you know, between Estonia and, you, and uh, Russia, you know. And I, I'm sitting there. And then she stands up, and she says, watch this, you know, and she leaves the compartment. Well, where did I just hear that when I left Moscow was... I, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, watch, watch this. this. Okay. And here this lady says that. She yeah. comes back with a lady named Tanya, who she got from another train car, the same train, and walked yeah. her back to meet me. Yeah. Well, this lady was the wife of the ambassador from Russia to Estonia. Right. The next day, I end up meeting with the, the ambassador of Russia, you know, in Estonia, in his office, he says, you know, I really need to set up these linkages for you with Ukraine because that's where you need. And there was the whole connection to Ukraine all through this. Wow, uh, amazing. And, yeah, and, and really, um, I, I just, you know, I'm amazed now, of course, when I look mm -hmm. back on it and I see, you know, God just completely had his hand on every single step, you know, along right. the way, just opening. So how long ago did that, did that happen? Like eight, 20... that happened 1994. 94. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not going to do the math here, but... Yeah. 26 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and in the last few years, you've actually had an office yeah. in, the, in the government. In the president's you, administration. You met with the, the president's wife, yeah. not the current president, but the yeah. past one, yeah. in Toronto. And yeah. like the ministry, we're just kind of going in as this guy, this son of a tomato farmer yeah. from Leamington, yeah. has got an office in the president's uh, office in the mm -hmm. government. And... and uh, you know, the, in Ukraine, I know that um, there was kind of an ad, an old attitude that uh, orphans are cursed of God, mm -hmm. and like you even called them the forgotten children. I think right. there's been they, uh, that attitude is changing, though. Eh? I mean, changing a, very much. Yeah. And, and and surprisingly, again, you know, I think about Mother Teresa in in India, how uh, through a small act of helping some people, 
Um, she eventually impacted a whole nation right. of people and, and the world even in that regard. And, and in a small way, we've kind of had a similar situation where our, our small mission, you know, to the orphan kids in, in Ukraine and um, people have begun to notice like yeah. that. And even the wife of the president said to me one time, she said, Ed, we're watching you like you've wow. you've impacted us. You know, you came here. These aren't your kids. You know, yeah. they're they're not even kids that you should be responsible for. But you've decided to, you know, sort of pour your heart out to them. And that, uh, in a little way, um, has had some impact on the country so far and, and been recognized. And, and so that, you know, I mean, I could never do that. Right. I could never arrange that or set that up or no organization could ever um, with with millions of dollars of resources have that kind but God can do that right. and and so we've seen we've seen just being obedient to God following him where he wants us to go has has opened So doors in those 26 years were there ever days you thought what am I doing here <laughs> or like I'm a I, I'm made, like I'm not, I'm not really getting much accomplished. Yeah, well, I have to give a great plug right now to my wife, Natasha, who right. I met there after being there for seven years. And and uh, I, I very often tell a story about one day um, just completely uh, uh, frustrated with everything that was going on with the bureaucracy and the problems they were giving me. Um, I was in tears, literally, on the side of the road on my phone, and I called Natasha and I said, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. Mm. Like it was just really had gotten that difficult. Right. And uh, my wife is amazing because she just said to me, Ed, come home, you know. Yeah. And uh, of course I went home and and she's made our home a place of peace and and uh, um, kind of gotten me through some of those really hard times when it's difficult to understand why trying to do something good so many people would be against you for some reason or or not understand what you're doing and sure and that's the hardest part sometimes when you're misunderstood right. or even uh even uh, you know kind of like treated like you're you know there are people that don't understand what we're doing right. and so they assume that we're trying to do something bad right. or we're accused of of having the wrong motives or something like that mm. and that's hard when you're sure. really genuinely trying to do something good and you're you're accused of something that you well, know. I know that you told me like when you first went, you go to some of these orphanages and hey, I'm just here to help, and they'd say, "We don't want your religion, we don't yeah. want your brainwashing yeah. our kids, yeah. get out of here, we're not interested." Yeah, and then you'd say, "Well, can I just uh, help fix this porch? Can I yeah. get you some beds yeah. or whatever?" Because and, because I know like if they really get to know me, right? right? If they really get to know us yeah. and yeah. what we're doing. Like, it's just like people get the wrong idea sometimes about Jesus, right? Yeah. You say, listen, you need Jesus, you know, right. and they're kind of like thinking something crazy, right? But, but we all know that if, if they really got to know who Jesus was, right. they would want him. Absolutely. Yeah. My dad used to say, to know the Lord is to love the Lord. To know him is to love him. So you could yeah. say to know if you really know Ed, you couldn't help but love. <laughs> so yeah. um, you know, I heard someone say, I don't know if it was Steve Jobs. I feel like it was, but maybe it wasn't him. But the statement was, 
we tend to overestimate what we can do in a year, but underestimate what we can accomplish in 10, yeah. 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's true. So sometimes when we're just going through, like working, serving, it's like, am I even getting anywhere? Am I even accomplishing anything? You know, what have all I even done in this year or whatever? I didn't reach some of my goals. But then when you look back, now you got 26 years, yeah. but, you know, even putting in some decades yeah. or whatever, you can say, look back and say, wow. Yeah, wow. Like some amazing things. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. just, you know, just our partnership with you is pretty amazing. And, I mean, you got other things that are going on too and even other places around the world. And, yeah. yeah. Well, my friend, there's uh, so much more we can actually talk about. Yeah. And more of your story. So we're going to have to have a Bethel Podcast 2 <laughs> with Ed Dixon uh, c to be continued the next time you come around and have another chance to talk and maybe some of our other stories and and some of our own connections uh, with history, family history, whatever. But um, my brother, I love you. We're proud of you. And it's just a blessing to uh, work together, serve the Lord together. And I know our church loves you and we're just... Uh, so pleased to be able to partner in the gospel with you. And mm. one day when we get to heaven, we'll see what all has been accomplished. Amen. I'm sure it'll be amazing. Amen. And um, Amen. just you know, keep yeah. on keeping on and <clears throat> love your wife Thank and family. You. And You guys are a big encouragement to me. And, uh, you know, I really would just finish by saying thanks, you know, to Bethel and everybody here that supported us and encouraged us. We really... We really have been blessed just with friendships and uh, and our time here and, you know, just the support that we get. It's really hard to overemphasize how much that means to right. us. And, uh, yeah. It's our joy. It's a blessing. Praise God. So thanks. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Jim. A multinational, multi-language song we're going to sing in heaven. Hallelujah. I'm telling you today, singing is important. Praise God. You were created to sing. You've been commanded to sing. Amen. 23 Bible facts about singing. Number one, God sings. Number two, singing welcomes the presence of God. Number three, we are to sing together with other saints. Number four, champions in the Old Testament sang. Number five, Moses understood the heart of God about singing. Number six, singers were an essential part of battle in the Old Testament. Number seven, singers were often the reason for victories against the enemies of God. Number eight, anointed music caused evil spirits to leave. Number nine, anointed music and singing releases the prophetic word of God. Number ten, we are to sing regardless of what's going on around us. Amen. Number 11, singing can affect nature itself. It can change things in your natural world. Number 12, sing to cause your enemy to become discouraged and move away from you. Like the devil will flee from you when you submit to God, when you sing to God. Amen. The devil will flee. Number 13, your singing can be a turning point in someone's salvation. Number 14, sing to God so the world will know him and you sing for his glory. Sing to proclaim his glory. Number 15, sing your thanksgiving because of his abundant blessings. Number 16, sing because you recognize the victory God has given you. Number 17, sing in celebration. Number 18, sing the word of God. 
Number 19, sing a new song to the Lord. Number 20, sing to make God's faithfulness known to future generations. Number 21, sing in your prayer language. Sing in tongues. Number 22, sing of God's redemption in your life. And number 23, amen. One day we're all going to sing around the throne of God in heaven a song of redemption, a song of victory, a song of our salvation. Praise God. You were created to sing. Amen. You say, Pastor Tim, I'm not a very good singer. Well, amen. Then you can make a joyful noise. Amen. If you're not much of a singer, then get people around you. Get music around you. Listen to music where people are singing the praises of God. Everybody loves good music. Be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what kind of songs you're putting into your heart and spirit. Amen. You know, sometimes with our moods, our moods can be affected by music. Sometimes we get in a mood and we're looking for music to feed that mood. We need to let music change our moods, amen, and get anointed worship music that gets you out of the depths of despair and into the presence of God. And so today and this week, as we focus on being thankful, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Let's be a singing people. I pray Bethel Church will always be a singing church. Amen. We love to sing the praises of God. I sing praises to your name, O Lord. Praises to your name. For your name is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Make sure you make some time today to sing praises to the Lord.